welcome to the Big Golf Show. I'm your host, Nick Andreco, along with Eric Arbe. Eric, how are you doing today? Doing very good. Very excited about today's podcast. Yes. How about yourself, Nick? I am. We had a fun one. I'm doing wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we are, you know, we're very fortunate to have some of the, you know, most influential professionals uh, in the industry on our show. And today is definitely no exception. We have director of the PGA's golf management program at Clemson University, Mr. Rick Lucas. He's joining us to talk uh, technology, marketing, mentoring uh, as it relates to golf and, and some of his experiences. So, uh, Rick, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me on here. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, Rick, for um, for people that may not know listening, um, can you just give us a little background about yourself? Oh, sure. Of course. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I was a golf professional for 20 years. Uh, been in the business. Started out like most assistant golf professional. Worked my way up through the ranks. Was a teaching professional, head golf professional, and then a GM. And uh, so I've kind of seen all the positions in terms of managing a club, and I was very fortunate uh, when Clemson University started their uh, their golf management program, uh, one of the things I always liked to do was teach, and and so I obviously had a career in the golf business, but uh, also thought you know I, I would have loved to have been a high school teacher. So you know they they had this position, and and I was like okay, <laughs> I can teach and be in the golf business. So it was perfect for me, and I'm very fortunate to be here at Clemson now as the director of the program. And if you don't mind me asking, how how did you uh, did you did you just apply for the job and get it? Mm-hmm. Or oh yeah, I, I applied for the a job at, absolutely. Uh, you know, and uh, fortunate for me, uh, you know, I, I had attained an MBA, uh, went to night school. I was a, a golf professional at the Country Club of Virginia, and uh, got my master's degree in business. And uh, and I was always interested. So obviously, I'm interested in education, and so, and, and and had. Uh, the opportunity to do that. So when I applied for the job, I had the you know the education background and obviously experience to teach the PGA curriculum, which is what they needed. And so, yeah, I applied for the job, and uh, you know, hey, I I got it. So and uh, it was it's been a blessing. Nice. And and you're the first director of the program, right? Nobody. Well, started. I started out as the assistant director, and there was a director ahead of, ahead of me, and he decided he wanted to do more research and moved on and. You know, hey, I was like, okay, well, that was an opportunity for me. And uh, I do uh, research, but I wasn't uh, in, interested in a tenure track. Oh, I'm getting these academic things now. But anyway, I wanted to be full-time working as the director, uh, mentoring the students, and that's part of the discussion today. And uh, I, I kind of filled, filled the gap there. So I got hired on as the director, got promoted. And so I was here from the inception, but uh, I've been director, uh, you know, after the first two years I became director. So. Yeah, Rick, I just recently learned uh, not too long ago that we both know uh, Warren West. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, yeah, I was at the Country Club when Warren was there, sure. When? Uh, what year was that when you were there, if you don't mind me asking? I, date I was there between, oh, goodness, you know, now <laughs> my age is, oh, gosh, 87 to 95 I was there. So, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yep. okay. And Warren was there at that time. Yeah. Perfect. Um, we, I know that one thing we definitely want to have you on is obviously we're going to talk about a lot of PGM students. We're going to talk about internships and all that. But I know one of the, mm-hmm. the one of the big things that's really close to kind of 
to kind of your heart is these is this research project that you guys have been mm-hmm. working on. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that now? Do you mind sure. sh- sharing some insights? Well, absolutely. And, and uh, what what came about? Obviously, I teach the PGA curriculum, and uh, obviously a component of that is golf operation, business planning, and so forth and so on. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, teaching the students the process and, and, and here's what a business plan looks like is, is good. It gets them started. But I was fascinated and say, okay, you know, they know what the process is. Let's do one. And so this really got, got, got the whole thing going. And I partnered with Jim Keegan, who's a, just a, one of the top consultants in the, in the industry. And I, I kind of challenged him. And he, he wrote the definitive book on the golf disease, the first one to do it. And I used his book in the classroom. I said, Jim, you know, you got a pretty good process here. How about we, we, we actually do a business plan? Let's, let's do one for a golf course. And he's like, wow, you know, you want, let's, let's make the book come alive for the students. So we did it. And so we went through the process that Jim would go through and how to help a course reach their financial potential. And we took the students through the process. They did a 90-page paper uh, for the board of directors of the club that we did it for. Uh, they did a, uh, gave a presentation and, 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 re- and analyzed the course and what they could do to improve their financial performance. And so, uh, you know, so instead of talking about a business plan, we did one for an actual golf course that was struggling. And so. Uh, this led to another thing. I said, well, this worked pretty good. How about we work, research this process and see how good it is? And so that's what I've been working on, and, uh, and it's been a, a passion, and uh, we've, we've got some pretty good insights. So uh, it's been pretty exciting. Rick, what, what was the name of that book again? Oh, Jim Keegan's book, and I use it in my uh, in my classes. The business of golf. What are you thinking? And now he's <laughs> he's written uh, a couple more editions since that. But uh, the the first book was 2010, and now he I've got his new ed- edition now. But uh, it's kind of it, it's a textbook on how to maximize the financial return of a golf course, and and he has a seven step process that he takes courses through to help them really pinpoint what they need to do to improve their bottom line. That sounds fun. Rick, what, I, oh, go ahead, Nick. Rick, what are some yeah. of the, um, what are some of the surprising <clears throat> things that you guys found when you're doing this? Well, several things. And, and, uh, the surprising thing that we found is just, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, if I were to just say, okay, surprising thing they found, I don't know if this is surprising, small businesses in general. So first of all, golf's not an academic. A program. I mean, there's no, there's not a whole lot of research on the academic side in golf. We're just not an academic industry. That's just not what we do. But so when I go to the literature view, as we do in academic, okay, what do small businesses do on a strategic level? You know, if I want to improve the financial performance of a golf course, what do I need to do strategically? Well, golf professionals, we're in the field. We're at an operational level. We get mirrored in this. And all we see is operational level type stuff and because we, we have a hard time reaching our head above the clouds and say, okay, wait a minute. I need to think strategically. And so the amazing thing that we found is, is that uh, this process allows golf professionals to get – no, let's get out of the operational level. Let's look strategically at your customers, uh, your course in its marketplace, and what exactly can you do to improve your, your bottom line. So, And that's difficult to do because golf pros get caught up you know, teaching golf lessons. We've got to run a tournament. We've got to hire people. We've got to train people. But, you know, so you get more, maybe more efficient, but are you effective? And so the surprising thing is, is that we have – Jim has a process that says, okay, wait a minute. I've got a way for you to take an x-ray at what you're doing operationally. Is it effective in terms of you improving your bottom line? And so 
that's the thing that I, I think, you know, as we, we research the golf courses, we help them to see that. And they, you know, it, it was pretty enlightening to them. Yeah, I know, Rick, when we when we spoke previously, you were telling me kind of some of the insights about this. And what mm-hmm. I really thought one of the things was interesting is how you do the uh, or how what you did for this course um, was mm-hmm. the kind of market analysis within an X mm-hmm. amount radius. Yes. Of mm-hmm. the golf course and seeing exactly. you know, what, what exactly. type of income these people have and yep. really identifying yep. the customers. I think, and Nick, from what we see from some of our clients in the golf industry, not enough people really know their customers well enough. So I think this is really, really well, powerful what you're doing there, Rick, to, yeah, to it, analyze it the customers and, and see. Exactly. Yeah. And so what we did with the golf courses, we asked the question. So the research was we did a post-pretest. So the post-test was, do you know your market? Okay. So we got the answer, which was, you know, the, the basic question was, is your market over or undersupplied? Do you know? Well, you know, take a guess. Well, they took a guess. We don't know whether it is or it isn't. And then we would do the market analysis for them. And so the market analysis that we did, we did age, income, ethnicity, and population density within a 30-mile radius, which is where 90% of the revenue comes from for a daily fee in semi-private municipal-type golf courses. Private clubs, it's closer to 5 or 10-mile radius. That's where your customers are coming from. So we did this for uh, 10 basically public semi-private-type facilities, and we showed them uh, their market. In other words, if we know age, income, ethnicity, and population density within a 90-mile radius, and we can extrapolate that forward in terms of play rate per capita, we can t- predict the demand of golf in the area. But we'll throw in the supply of the number of golf courses, we know how many golfers on average a course needs to be successful. So we told them whether they were over or undersupplied for golf. And so, uh, you know, some of the areas we did the research, we we told we had to tell the course, particularly for the course that we did the research on, there was uh, 12 courses in the area. There only needed to be nine. So when you tell a course that, and now their whole marketing changes because they realize that, for instance, the course we did the research, they thought they could market their way into prosperity. And we told them, well, no, you're not. Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, you're, there's too many golf courses in the area, so you've got to look at a different way uh, to be successful, and, and we, we showed them what they needed to do. So golf courses need to know that. Am I in an over- or undersupplied market? And then once they know that, then, of course, their whole marketing plan changes. But the added thing for me was the mosaic profile that we did, besides just the basic demand and supply model, was the mosaic profile. Now, this is something that Best Buy... Starbucks uses because we know there's certain lifestyles uh, of, of categories in which people buy a Starbucks coffee. There's certain people that buy Starbucks coffee. There's certain people that don't. And it's the same thing for golf. Uh, it's mostly affluent suburban people that play golf. So if you're in a rural area and everybody's a farmer, well, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of people playing your golf. So you need to know what is the population and what type of people are, are in that area besides just the numbers that would be potentially play the game of golf. And we know who those people are. So that gives you another indicator as to your market and who, who would potentially play golf in your market. So, Rick, I really like what you're, what you're talking about there about the, the market study and analyzing mm-hmm. kind of your audience. I know what course couldn't benefit from that. And uh, the one mm-hmm. thing I thought was really interesting there was the, uh, the Starbucks uh, kind of analogy and study there. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I think it would be really funny if uh, they did a um, – a study uh, like that in the uh, southern Charlotte area because mm-hmm. the amount of uh, coffee that uh, Nick consumes, that study would be <laughs> severely <laughs> skewed, I think. So, <laughs> uh, oh, <geez. laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I don't know so. if I drink that much, but yeah. Well, yeah. No. if you left, they would notice. So. <laughs> the uh, Rick, what I wanted to ask you on a hair more serious yeah. note was why um, why do you think professionals are not you know f- haven't fully embraced this this idea mm-hmm. that these numbers mm-hmm. really th- this is what you need to do in business. This is what entrepreneurs do. This is what mm-hmm. this is what really mm-hmm. good business people do is is look at numbers, analyze them and adjust their business accordingly. Why do you think people well, are still stuck in that mindset of I know well, my audience? I know. Look, I I'm not going to surprise you with this. Does the guy does the guy that sells tire down the road do it? You know, look, I'm not knocking golf professionals having brain. Well, do small business. You know, in my research, I you look at small businesses; they struggle with this. The the guy that that owns the subway down the road is he doing it? You know, I mean, maybe he does. He's got more support because it's a franchise. But the thing is, is that that's where small businesses sometimes get stuck, and they start these businesses, they get and they get mirrored in in an operational level, and they they they. they don't raise their head and say, wait a minute, we need to do things more strategic. Now, here's the hope. Here's Okay, so will God profess, I think it's coming, and I think performance track is helping. When I go on performance track, and, you, and if you do the analysis, and I want to know, okay, I want to know maintenance costs at a, a daily fee in Charlotte. What What is the maintenance cost in this area? What should they be? 500, 600,000, and you get some numbers. Well, you look at the number of courses that participate in that. The number is staggering low. We've got to get the PGA, and we've got to find a way, and this is where you guys come in, is make it a seamless process. When I've got my POS and I'm there, that it's just a simple repository, and I know that's starting to happen, where all of our golf professionals can simply just dump their numbers into performance tracks so we get some really solid numbers in terms of maintenance costs, payroll costs, revenue by facility type, and so forth and so on. And as we start getting that and we improve in the data, I think, that's where the where it'll be embraced, where it's a just an, it's an easier process and people can look at the numbers. But when you've got you, you know, I want to know how many full time employees should there be in the Charlotte area at a daily fee private club? And I see there's only two golf courses participating in that. You know, the percentages. So I'm like, well, is that really reliable? And I, can I really rely that that's how many people I should have to to make the numbers work? So uh, that's where I think it's got to start. I think that we we've got to have well and and. People, that's why I enjoy doing the show, people like myself getting out there and say, hey, uh, let's talk about this at the next PGA meeting, uh, the next seminar that we have. We do a lot of seminars on teaching golf. Let's do some more seminars on the business side of golf. And so um, that's where I, I'm, I'm going to start doing that and say, hey, guys, you know, we're going to, you know, we, we talk about running tournaments, and, and that's good. We certainly do, and teaching is critical. But also, let's do some more seminars and guys, what, you know, Let's look at the numbers and let's let's talk about the business side of golf and how many of you are participating in performance track. The numbers are just too low. Well, yeah, you'll never hear Eric and I uh, fighting against collecting more data. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but the I I feel like the and and this is this is not speaking to everybody, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Mm -hmm. what what our industry has leaned towards. And I saw we, we first saw this a handful of years ago. When group mm-hmm. when you know Groupon first came out, and now mm-hmm. you, you have yeah. you have a lot of these online tea time uh, engines oh, that, yeah. that take tea times from you and stuff like that, and they're just dri- right. driving the cost com- down of golf. It's basically mm-hmm. who ha- mm-hmm. and, and you're attracting these people that um, mm-hmm. that maybe mm-hmm. you're not your 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 research is showing maybe you you you're not not saying you don't want to attract them, but they're they're outside mm-hmm. your demographic maybe, or they're just the one time mm-hmm. coupon shoppers. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do you see that at all? Do you guys talk about that in your research mm-hmm. at all about 
Oh, absolutely, and that's a big part of it is that, well, golf's a fixed-cost business, so we, we think there's like incremental revenue out there. Well, wait half a minute. You know, what happens is the golf professional gets caught up, and they say, okay, well, look, I can I can get an online tee time system, uh, and I can uh, sell tee times to, to more more customers out there, and uh, this will just be incremental, you know, extra revenue. Well, all right. Are you measuring yield? And see, that's the thing. The golf professional, they say, okay, well, you know, it's there's this perishability of my product, so my my prices need to fluctuate. Well, certainly they do. But so if you do a lower time at a at a, a time where there's not much play, and you think it's incremental revenue, you're getting extra play through your online tee time system. Well, what have you done? Maybe you've taken the person that's paying rack rate now they're a discounter, and that's what's happening. And so golf courses need to say, okay, yeah, there's some to be had out there. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a fluctuation in the time based on the, you know, because of the, the, the different uh, demand demand for golf. But the thing is, as you discount your rates, is that, in fact, incremental revenue? You've got to measure your yield and to make sure that you haven't taken your rack round, <laughs> your rack, you know, the person that's paying full rack rate, and all of a sudden you've transferred them into being a discount golfer, and that's what's happening. And so that's what that's what I'm interested in. And so um, you know, golf courses just need to to be aware of that. And some golf professionals are you know they're they're on top of it. But you know, too too often it's very easy to put an online tee time system and go with the golf now or golf switch and all that. And and uh, they they barter sometimes. And uh, and and so the you know they get what they think is uh, some extra tee times. And uh, are they doing it? Well, you got to calculate to if is it really improving your revenue per round, and most important, your revenue per uh, you know per utilized time. The two go hand in hand, as we know. Uh, but that's another interesting thing. Do you know the amount of utilized times that you have? And now, so that gets into the weather, right? <laughs> so, and how many golf professionals are, are calculating weather into their revenue model? Not many. Yeah, we're 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 big proponents of what you just said there, Rick. About you know how. You know, using systems like that can really turn your regular play customers into the discounters, and that's that yep. could be a huge uh, loss at any facility yep. if you know your core exactly. customers are turning into that. And um, yep. yeah, that, that's a shame that that is kind of happening. We'd love to see the opposite. But mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. one of the things I'd like to get your opinion on is, you know, when you have these golf courses that say, "Well, I've been doing this for two years, several years, mm-hmm. and you know, if I get off this system, then I'm going to mm-hmm. lose all that money." I'm going to lose all this yeah. play because so many right. people are used to that. You know, it's it's of my opinion that no, you won't. People will still want to play your course if you're offering a good product. Yes, you might lose a few of the the hardcore discounters that are always looking mm-hmm. for that deal, but overall if you keep your rates where they should be, um you're not going to lose much. So mm-hmm. what's what's your thought yeah. on that if they, if, yeah, if they well, were to drop it, it, exactly like well, exactly. I mean, it, and it all depends. I mean, you know, I'm not knocking golf now or golf. Or not. They they can be good products for you, and it, but the thing is, it, it's all in the deal that you cut with them. You know, it, you've got to do. You know, in other words, if you're giving fifty percent off or whatever in bartering tea times, and if you're participating in that and it, and it's helping you, uh, go with it. But you know, I think too often golf courses just. They don't realize, and, and the calculating and studies been done, and, and I think the National Golf Course Owners Association did some studies where, you know, courses, and, and we've done it in our classroom. Courses are giving up twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in revenue to do a, a barter system, and uh, you know, you can get a, an online tee time system for, you know, with one to one marketing, and you guys and all this, I and mean, you can do it for, 
you know, five, six thousand dollars a year. So you're giving up all this money and bartering all these tea times for for a system that you could, you know, you pay for yourself. So you're just giving up revenue. But that's not the big, you know, I don't think many golf courses are are, are doing that. Where the issue is is that the integrity of that rack rate, like you're saying. Uh, are you maintaining the the integrity of your rack rate? So if the company's helping you do that, you well, know, you should go with them, and you're, you're you're maintaining it. So you need to be measuring it to make sure uh, that going with an online system that it's actually giving you that incremental revenue. And so you've got to measure your yield, and and if it is, continue with them. You know, and if it's not, like you said, drop them and and go with a different system and and uh, your own system. Right. Right. Eric, this is very similar. Remember, I, I got into a pretty public debate um, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago about Groupon, and you know mm-hmm. that was the big thing. Golf professionals thought Groupon. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of them thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and and no. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was giving the advice that don't do it. It's it's the worst thing for your business. It <clears> is, and I, and you know I was basically. Uh, you know, burned at the stake for saying some of that stuff, but I was like, nah. you basically have devalued your product so much. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, now fast forward a couple of years, you know, yep. everyone's like, why would now you, we why know. Would you do yeah. that? Exactly. But I'm saying like, this, yep. is, this is to me, and I'm not, we're not, I don't want to harp on tea times with you, but I was like, I feel like that's the same kind of system that Groupon was using. All this is a bandaid. Uh, you can't mm-hmm. sustain that in the long run. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. your prices are eventually going to be a dollar to go play eighteen holes golf. I don't I don't see how you can you know sustain that yep. kind of model. But mm-hmm. and yeah, you, it is. But it goes beyond just the price. Who who owns the database now? You know that that's critical too. You know, if I'm doing a a, a deal with an online tee time system, but it, and they're booking through that system, who owns the database now? See, that's that's even is important, but more important is that if I have my own system and people are booking on my system, well, I got the data capture there, and so now I, I have a marketing tool. But if I'm going with a, a a different system or a system is 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 bartered and there, and and of course they'll tell you we'll give you more cuts and all that. But who owns the database now? Is it your website or their website? And who owns your database? You or them? And so that's an issue too. Speaking our language right there. Absolutely, we we preach that all the time. Is keeping your own data, keeping data for yourself exactly. to use how you want to use it in your marketing efforts. Well, exactly. Rick, can I switch focus a little bit and, and mm-hmm. talk yep. about um, talk about interns? Because I know that uh, okay. the yeah. you know that's a huge. Eric and I are both mm-hmm. graduates of, of Methodist program, mm-hmm. and yep. and yep. Um, you know we've all had everyone's had good internships and not so good internships. Um, yep. For people out there, for golf professionals listening that maybe weren't PGM students, so they don't know the whole, uh, you know, what you mm-hmm. kind of go through as an intern like that, what's some advice that you have for maybe interns and for, you know, what you maybe tell your, your students and what you tell golf professionals how to utilize interns uh, mm-hmm. to get the most out of them and then also help mentor them for those months that they're there? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start with the golf professionals and, uh, you know, uh, the thing to do there, uh, and of course the PGA has cooperated that, so if they do have a position open, they can work through the PGA and, and do an email blast to all of the 19 programs uh, to look for, for interns. Uh, now, the important thing you know, to get the most out of it is that you have to, if you're going to have interns or host an intern, uh, dedicate a mentor, a dedicated supervisor that's going to work with that intern. 
and and so that's key. Uh, so if they do that, then the mentoring is there, and it gets beyond. You know, look, an internship can be a, a poor thing if you don't have a mentor, and uh, in a person is rotating you through the operation where you can develop skills. So I mean, we're great at a university. We're we're you know we're good at pouring knowledge into people's brains. What about the application of it? Well, that's what we rely on the facilities to do. And so if they, they have a mentor there and they have a program in place to say, okay, here's what we're going to do with this intern. We're going to rotate them through so that they can, what they've learned in their brain, they can apply it, such as teach a golf lesson, run a golf tournament, and so on and so forth and so on, merchandising and that. So the course needs to have a plan in place as to how they're going to utilize that intern and if they do that. Uh, they're going to, you know, now you've got a student who's got some knowledge, and they see that they're developing it. Now you've got a win-win. You know, the facility is getting somebody who's excited about being there. They're developing skills, and they're doing tasks that are needed for the golf course. And so uh, the courses that do that and have a plan for their interns and a program in place, and a lot of them do. There's great golf professionals out there do just a, an absolutely fabulous job with those interns and uh, and utilize them in the different areas and take, you know, say, hey, I know you have some knowledge. You've, you know, you've been at Clemson. They've taught you a little bit about teaching. How about running our, our junior camp and, and throwing them in there? So that's, that's, that's what we're interested in, the facilities that do that. Uh, that's where the, the big win comes in there for the student. And so uh, that, that's, that's key. The other thing is, too, is just the basics is, uh, you know, have the, the, the whole the housing and everything arranged. And if they have that, uh, what is the student going to learn? Uh, you, what are they going to make? Well, you know, you have a housing, uh, and you have somebody that's going to supervise it and rotate them through. And if they have all that, those things in place, uh, that's, that's those are the facilities we're looking for. What kind of now, on, I was say what kind of expectations do you set for your students and tell them? Okay, so now on the student side, what are the expectations uh, for the student? Well. Uh, it's, that's a, this gets you know very interesting. We try what we try to do is match the student with the facility. In other words, I get an opportunity uh, to see the student in, in action in the classroom on the golf course. I get a pretty good understanding of where they're at in terms of their emotional intelligence, if you will, their interpersonal skills, uh, their golf skills, and and you know you know it's taken a few tests, so I got a pretty good idea of their, their mental capacity too. So. So what I do is I say, okay, what is it that you want to do in the golf business? And, and we try to match that student skill and what they desire to do with that, that facility. Now, in terms of the training we need to provide, and particularly nowadays, and, and you know, I, I'm dating myself again, and I tell the students this, you know, when I was your age, I already had about five jobs. You know, a lot of them, this is their first job. <laughs> you know, so that gets interesting. So we have to uh, work with them on interpersonal skills. But what we tell them the most, and here's the thing. I said, look, to be successful in the internship, how in the world can you not be successful if you go in there with a positive, productive attitude? They, they, they fully know that you're, you're young, you're new, and sure, you don't know all these things. But if you have a positive, productive attitude, you're inquisitive and you want to learn, uh, I don't know a golf professional won't open their door to a student that, that's willing to do that. So that's what we train, and that's what we want to see from our students. Say, look, they fully know you don't you don't know how to teach a golf lesson yet, but they're going to throw you in there. You have some knowledge of it. But if you're positive, you're productive, you're inquisitive, and you want to learn, uh, it's there for you. And, and that type of student is the one that, that excels. And so we, that's what we try to produce and throw out there. Love that. Uh, Eric, I want to ask Rick if he has. What do you notice with the? Um, I call them the kids. 
the the kids come. The, yeah, the, I call the, them that too. <laughs> they're young men, but geez, I'm so old. But, you know, and I, I apologize every time I call them that, and they just laugh. You know. Oh well. What? Um, <laughs> how do you? How do you? Are, are they embracing? Do you do you feel like the the industry, the younger generation, is embracing the marketing side of golf a little bit more? And I and I'm really mean specifically like like social platform wise, um, as opposed to just kind of going in there and, and you know same old same old hat like we, they just get into a routine and they just do that. I mean, do you feel like they this is more enthusiastic generation coming out for golf right now? No, no, that's, and I tell them that's your advantage. And I tell them, so I said, look, I, I, as I use myself as an example, look, I'm I'm 55. The average head golf professional is 52. We, we're we not where you're at, but you know what? Where you're at in terms of technology and embracing this technology is where we need to go. And so that gives them the advantage. They, not only they, they embrace it, they eat it up. And so I say, look, here's your opportunity. I mean, there's, as we know, the industry is struggling. I mean, we rounds of golf are pretty flat. But I said, look, here's your opportunity, though. He's, most head pros are old like me, and so we're retiring, and we need some young blood like you to get in there and market. Because when I came through, uh, it was a course a day, and you remember all that. And, uh, you know, geez, the budget, well, let's just extrapolate forward, and we'll just uh, multiply by you know, everything will increase by 4%. Well, you know, the guys going to business now, now they're looking at their budget and say, okay, whoa, can we even increase revenue, and how do we do it? So th- that's the message we have to get in the classroom and say, okay, here's how you can do it. So you've got to embrace customer relationship marketing. You've got to embrace social media. If you're going to build your teaching program and all this, you know, and the technology and smart lessons and all the programs that are coming through and staying in touch with your customers, uh, guess what? That's where the game is being played now. You can't just rely on they're going to come. You know, we've opened the, we've opened the course, therefore they're going to flood in. Well, that's not happening. Yeah, and that's something we've been um... – really talking about is just because you're young doesn't mean you know what you're doing um on on, on social platforms (laughs) like you know just and i we we see oh yeah i got a i got the you you know my my daughter's coming in or i got my son doing you know we'll hear golf pro saying you know they're Mm -hmm. 18 or 20 and and they're they're doing my helping with my social marketing and and Mm -hmm. i was like just because you know how to use instagram or pinterest doesn't mean you know how to use it to market business and and we always said that's that's a really neat tool i think for someone that is young and does and has taken the time to understand okay i, I know how to you know use pinterest anyone can learn how to use pinterest in in 30 right. in 30 minutes how do you use pinterest for business and that's a right. huge huge mm-hmm. uh you know i think weapon to have in your arsenal when you go to interview for these jobs when you're getting out of college mm-hmm. is hey mm-hmm. i you know not only do i know how to use you know eight or nine of these platforms but i use them for business and here's some case studies here's some examples and how to right. and how to do that is that something you see universities and I don't want to put Clemson yes. on the spot but are you guys oh, putting yeah. more and no, more put emphasis? us on the spot because if we're not doing then we're not up to date of course we are okay. and and that's the thing is that when they take courses in marketing you know the marketing professors are right there uh, certainly yeah universities are doing that now we we certainly understand that these students are going out and that's that's the platform they're going to use but you're right it's not just knowing how to use it how does it work so again you know. How often do you send a message? What's the message that should be sent? Uh, how do you differentiate? And as I tell the student, you have to differentiate your customers. Uh, and, and in golf business, differentiate by your core customers, your acquired customers, and your defectors. 
those are the three main groups. So yeah, you have the social media, but who who is it that you need to connect with, and what's the message that you need to send? And so that that exactly, universities are, are certainly need to do that, and we do that in our program. Uh, who's on top of it? I can tell you is Billy Casper Golf. They're they're amazing. This, this their company is on top of it. Uh, and if you take and I, I golf court uh, professionals listen to this, take a look at what Palouse is doing and look at their website and their balance scorecard and some of the things they're doing in terms of yield per customer type. Those are the kind of things you need to get to. So and 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 knowing that uh, that can determine your message. I mean, if a, if a player doesn't show up for three months, what's the message that should be sent? Well, Billy Casper Golf, they've invested into it. it there's an automated message sent to that customer. If, if that, that skew or that, that customer doesn't show up for three months, an automatic email is sent to that customer. Say, hey, we love you. We want you back. We haven't seen you for three months. Where have you been? Come on back and play. That, that You're exactly right. So it's not just you know knowing how to use it. Differentiate the customers, and it's a different uh, message to each one of those customers. And what should the message be? Yeah, wow, that, that's that's really powerful stuff, Rick. I think um, we were talking with um, Alan Ranowski and uh, Ted Bishop mm-hmm. in previous podcasts, and they were talking mm-hmm. about kind of the, the value that golf professionals need to bring to their club. And definitely, you know, the social aspect and and uh, the market analysis and everything that you were just talking about is really a huge part of the value that golf professionals mm-hmm. now should be bringing to their club. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, n- no doubt about it. No yeah. doubt about it. We've got to be the revenue generator, and I think that's a positive for us. I mean, I, I think that. Uh, you know, they look towards the golf professionals to do that. We're the ones that, you know, are connected with the game, and so uh, we've got to be the one that, that drives the revenue. And, and the teaching side, too, and, you know, it goes hand in hand. Uh, you know, I, everybody talks about the game of golf and the business golf. I kind of link them together, you know, and, and I do it this way. This is the example I give my students. I said, look, look at it this way. And and Palusa did some research on that, and you can you can probably grab it, is that uh, – if you have somebody who's shooting 100 and you get them down shooting in the 90s, they're going to spend twice as much. You get them down into the 80s, your wallet share increases threefold. And so I'm telling them, you're, you know, you're giving people golf lessons. Guess what? That golf lesson is the business of golf because if they become a better golfer, you guys know. I asked the question in the classroom. If you get somebody shooting 100 and shooting the 80s, what do they have to do? Well, they've got to play more golf. <laughs> well, yes, they're probably going to buy a set of clubs. They're going to buy uh, another beer, another hot dog, and so forth and so on. And so you get the idea. I, I, I like to link them together. You're the guy teaching them, but also as you teach them and get them better, well, they can't get better without playing more golf, and they're more excited about it. So, uh, you know, I kind of look at it that way. That's, anyway, that's, my, that, that's what I go through in the classroom. So, Rick, I want to ask you, what do you think about uh, these alternative forms of golf, you know, like foot golf and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, uh, the three-hole course kind of coming back mm-hmm. to the clubhouse, that kind, of, um, mm-hmm. that kind of mentality? Is that going to be good for golf? Is that something that is going to be uh, – that we're going to see, you know, built mm-hmm. upon over the next five or ten years? Okay, well, here's my take on it. I think we need to look at those things, and I, and I, uh, as I know, I know TaylorMade is is kind of put out a a website out there for ideas. Uh, let's make the hole bigger. Uh, yeah, the foot golf. Let's get the soccer players out there, and so forth and so on. Billy Casper's hope golf is hosting some some tournaments, and I think those are interesting, and we need to take a look at those. But here's what I think it, we need to take a look at: PGA Junior League golf. This is what I'm 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 looking at, and and I'm really 
think Bob Longmire and John Bilchin in PGA Junior League and how that's grown so fast in the last three years. They've got 1,500 participants already. They're going to double this year. That's where I think we need to, to look at. And, and here's why. It's because it, it's working so well with PGA Junior League. They're going to take this forward into women's leagues, men's leagues. And I use this, and, I, and Bob Longmire, who's the, the president of the company, says, look, you open a bowling alley. Okay, uh, and you expect okay, well everybody come and, uh, and we'll have a great business with bowling. Well, no, I- unless you have leagues, the bowling alley doesn't survive. And I and I think a golf course is, is is similar in that you can't just open the door and not have the programming to get people there. And league golf is something I think we we need to do. And so I and, and I'm looking at what to do. And I have a student who now is a manager. He's graduated. He interned with the company, and and he's heavily involved with it. And it's starting to take off. So I like the alternative, and I like that. But you know, uh, league golf is what and what they do is 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 the format, and it's what's attracting. I mean. We talk about this in the classroom. Okay, we've got the traditions of the game, and we've got entertainment. Which should we go? Well, it's not an either-or concept. It's it's both. You know, we're going to have the golfer that wants to play USG rules. They want to play the ball down. They want to play the back tees and so forth and so on. And, and that, a lot of time is a core customer that we need to take care of. But the average customer that comes out, how do we retain them? How do we get them interested in playing in the game? Well, well... League play says, okay, we'll play you know, alternative formats. Captain's choice, we'll play on a team. You don't have to worry about uh, having somebody to play with. You simply sign up. It's already done for you, and it facilitates play that way. So I think that's going to be the big initiative. You know, I, I certainly like the alternative, and uh, we need to look at those things. But in terms of really growing the game, that's what I'm looking towards. I think that's very exciting because I did it myself. When I was at Kiwi Key, and said, we did league golf uh, Monday through Friday. People didn't have – they just signed up, I'm in a league, I'm playing, and off you go. And we, we filled the golf course you know, during the week besides you know, the traditional weekends. We didn't have to do league play on the weekends because that's when, when golfers can play. So uh, you know, the average golf course is only you know, 52% utilized, so we've got a lot of excess capacity there. So how are we going to fill it up? I, I would encourage uh, the golf professionals listening to this, take a look at PGA Junior League. Uh, I, I like the technology, how they're using it. It's similar to what we see with soccer. Soccer has, you know, exploded in this country. The reason is is because they form teams. Uh, you, you know when you go play in a tournament, the team you're playing, you know their record. Well, that's what they're doing with PGA Junior League. Uh, I'm starting a team here at the Walker course. We're going to play against other teams in a league. Uh, you know, I, I sign them up on the website. Uh, I know the records of the teams. We know where they're going to play. And so I think this can be extrapolated forward with, with women's leagues, men's leagues, senior leagues, so forth and so on. So I think that's the big initiative, and that's what uh, I'm really interested at this time. Well, you know, Rick, I'm from upstate New York area, and mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that you bring that up because when I grew up playing junior golf in the in the late mm-hmm. '90s, it was yep. um, I felt like every course in the area had leagues, mm-hmm. and and that was but as and then when I went to college down in the south here, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I didn't really hear of leagues anymore. Is that mm-hmm. do you see that? Is that in, is that regional that leagues are are bigger than? You know, bigger in certain areas of the country. Yeah, apparently it is. Yeah, apparently is. And, and I think the golf professionals who would tell you the the leagues are, are very beneficial. So I think we need to. Everybody needs to be thinking in in that area. But it's not to answer here's the thing. And I and, and let's let's look at that a little bit. So the ones up north do it. The ones down other areas don't do it. And I and I see that. And and I see, I see some golf professionals. And they've said to me, "Well, I don't, I'll just form my own league." Oh, that's interesting. But you're not doing it. And so here's the thing. Here's a mechanism that gets it 
throughout the country. In other words, you know, because people say, well, Rick, I don't need PGA Junior League Golf. I'll just talk to them. Of course, but guys, you're not doing it. Here's a mechanism that's doing it for you. In other words, they have the website. They have the way to sign up. They They organize the matches. You don't have to do it as the guy professional. They organize it for you. They, they've got, that's what my, my student does. He organizes the league for you. And then as you participate in the league and your team wins, you move forward, you go right to a national championship. It's just like Little League Baseball. Uh, and so they organize the whole thing. And so that helps the guy professional, and they don't have to worry about, they don't have to call other clubs. PGA Junior League does it all for you. All you have to do is sign up your players on the website, and then once you do, PGA Junior League, uh, they mail the, the, the jerseys to the students with their name, with the, the kids that participate with their names on them. They organize the matches when they can play. So it does it all for you. So it's a mechanism that allows you to do it. So you're right. So why are some courses doing it some not? You know, I think that's where PGA Junior League has found their niche. It's like, okay, we'll do it for the guy professional, and, and every club can sign up, and we'll take care of the matches. We'll have the regional and then the national. I went to the national tournament down in Atlanta. It's at TPC Sugarloaf. California beat Georgia. And just to see the parents' involvement and the kids playing, I said, you know, this really has, you know, this really has some mileage here. I, I, I think what I saw at the national championship and to see the, the parents' involvement in that, like Little League Baseball, like soccer, to see that in golf, I haven't seen that before. And, and there it was. So uh, that's really where my interest is. So California beat Georgia on their home turf. No, excuse, excuse me. Georgia beat California. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Georgia okay. beat California. I, let me reverse that. <laughs> <laughs> I think California won the year before. So, but anyway, so <laughs> you, you get the idea. So it's like little league baseball. You advance. You, you know, you got a kid. Uh, he's never played golf. Well, it's captain's choice. You don't have to play golf, and they do substitutes. It's, it's twelve players. You can have two substitutes, and you know, if kids never play, well, that's all right. You putt. You know, so the format. It's a nine-hole match. It's three separate matches, three three-hole matches. You collect points. You win the match. You win a point. You have it. It's half a point and so forth. And at the end of the season, you get the top of the table. Hey, we're the leading team in the region. Uh, we got the most points, and you advance from there and have region tournaments against other regions, and eventually get to a national championship. So. Um, I, I think it's you know again they're growing. It's growing really fast. It's caught on, and uh, so uh, you know any guy professionals listen to that. I think you you know it, it's it's easy to set up. It's easy to do, and uh, they'll do all, basically do all the work for you. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, Nick, I think that'd be fun to play as an adult. That kind of format. <laughs> exactly, and they do too. So that's the business model is to, to extrapolate it forward, and they're working on that. Uh, women are women's leagues are coming up. They're going to do do it for women's leagues, and then seniors, and then j- just let's just see where it goes. Let's keep going with it. So, I, I again, I that's that's where my interest is in terms of well, I wouldn't say it alternative golf, but I, I think that's the next big participation uh, thing that I'm looking at in terms of growing the game and keeping people in it. Well, well Rick, before we let you go, um, yep. Yep. the um, we did a little bit of research, a little background from some of your students. Um, mm-hmm. in preparation, mm-hmm. and uh, they wanted us to ask you about the uh, how intense you get for the North pa- uh, North South Putting Championships, oh, oh, and uh, Lord. and they wanted to know if you bring your own putter or not. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm, well, <laughs> as they will, and see, some of them don't tell the truth. The South has never lost, and I've never lost a match in that tournament, and so. We play down there at Pirates Cove, and uh, I will. We do I get intense? Well, the South has never lost, so that's that's all I'll say about that. 
and, uh, <laughs> and uh, who you've been talking to? <laughs> uh, no, it's a lot of fun. We we go down to the show. There's a couple things we show. That's one of the things. And the other thing we do at the show is we have a contest to see if you can find the worst product, service or product, and we, we, we vote on it. And whoever wins, wins a free dinner down there. So that's the other thing, too. <laughs> and we see a lot of great products, but we also have a contest who can who can come up with the worst, the wor- worst marketing message or the worst product that's going to go you know belly up in a year. So we have a contest on that. <laughs> that's so hilarious. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, well, I won't tell you what you know, who the products are, but there was a real winner. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, maybe and we so should. They have to give a presentation to win it. They have to present the product, you know, and and so we, it's a contest and we vote on it and. <laughs> And the winner gets a dinner. So uh, what, would, what would be awesome is you you pick that winner, and then you have one of your students go help them not become not go out of business in a year. <laughs> well, these products are so bad they shouldn't have been invented. Oh. That's how far <laughs> okay. no, we go. We go to a whole another level down. No, you you don't understand. These are. Uh, these are products that, as soon as they announce it, you know we that's a, that's an indication you've got you've got a winner. In other words, as soon as the product's described and you know that it's that see that's the we go a whole level down. <laughs> <laughs> Golf's an interesting business. It's a lot of fun, <laughs> as yeah. you know. Well, it is fun, Rick. Th- it sounds like you got a lot of awesome things going on. You're doing a lot of great mm-hmm. things at Clemson. So mm-hmm. yeah, keep keep fighting the good fight. I really appreciate mm-hmm. the time today. Absolutely, yeah. and if if I could wrap it, just wrap it up right here for all of the, you know, we talked about strategy and operations. If you're a course out there and you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, I'm at the operational level, I'm not sure about my market, give Jim Keegan a call. Uh, go to golfconvergence.com. That's his website. Uh, what he's done is he's got the 21 templates that'll take the process. You can go through that yourself and not have to pay tens of thousands of dollars for a consultant to come in and do all that. So. The, the big part of the research then uh, in cooperating with Jim is that can we have a viable product, and Jim, this is Jim's brainchild, a viable product for golf courses that are stuck in the mud and saying, you know, I really don't know where to turn. What do I do? Uh, you know, I don't know my market. I, what should I do? You know, they'll do a te- the, the templates will take you through a technology audit. Can you leverage your technology? What do you need to do? Go to golfconvergence.com. Jim Keegan will help you. It won't cost you an arm and a leg. He'll do a market analysis for you and put you in the right direction, and 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 hopefully they help these courses in in terms of more profitability in the future. So uh, that's my recommendation. You know, we can't get into all of that, but go to golfconvergence.com and 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 give Keegan a call. And uh, so if this course is and he heard, well, I heard him talk about operations strategy. What do I need to do? Uh, that's my recommendation. Perfect. And if they go uh, to the biggolfshow.com and you click on Rick, Rick Lucas's name, we'll have a link there. We'll, we'll put. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You have a link to Golf yeah. Convergence. That's my recommendation. And PGA yeah. Junior League. So those are my <laughs> two, two uh, uh, I guess, suggestions, if I will, if I, if I could. Yeah. Or, or any any ideas that uh, our guests bring up or links that they, they put, we try to make sure we get those up under their profile so people can easily okay. just click on those. So perfect. Yep. yep. Um, uh, Eric, where uh, you want to tell some people in case they don't know where they can find us? Yeah, they can find us on the web, thebiggolfshow.com is our URL. Listen to all our podcasts there if you want. Follow us on Twitter at thebiggolfshow. Get us any questions through there. Or uh, open up your iOS device and go to the podcasts app and search for The Big Golf Show. Or open up iTunes and search for The Big Golf Show under podcasts and listen to all of our lovely podcasts there. 
Excellent. Appreciate so, what you guys are doing, and, and uh, I think it's a real benefit. So thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you, Appreciate Rick. having you on. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.